it's all about playing the game the right way. The name on the front of the jersey is more important than that name on the back of the jersey. You play for the Indiana Pacers. That's who you represent. Hey everyone, welcome to All Pacers Pod. My name's Jack, the host of this podcast. I'm recording this intro right now on my own. For some reason, when we recorded this intro earlier, Austin's audio didn't record, so it's just me for this intro, but hey, thanks for joining us for this podcast. We have such a fun interview coming up with CJ Watson. I'm sure you guys are going to love it, but as always, make sure to follow us on at all.pacers on Instagram or at all.pacers on Instagram, and um, subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already. Feel free to leave a review, and check us out on YouTube as well, at allpacers. You'll find us there. Um, We do some card pack openings, and it's a ton of fun. We also have some more content coming up pretty soon for this podcast, but I'm going to stop talking now because I want you to get to the CJ Watson interview, so I hope you enjoy. Like we said in the intro, we're here with CJ Watson. CJ, how you doing, man? Doing good. How are you guys doing? We're doing good. How are you doing, Austin? Pretty good, Jack. Uh, As you know, we are obviously excited to have CJ here, and we are geared up with another All-Pacers stat of the day. Uh, CJ, I don't know if Jack told you about this ahead of time, but we always start each podcast uh, with a stat of the day, whether we've got a guest or not. So I was wondering... If you could tell me where you were on February 17th, 2010. Mm, 2010? 2010. Uh, I was with the Warriors, I think. Yeah, with the Warriors. I don't know what game it was but i guess i had a good game maybe i don't know because the stats and i'm on the show i don't know (laughs) this was uh this was your lone 40 point game of your career okay uh against the kings in golden state yeah you cooked them for 40 uh also had seven rebounds and six assists uh also a sneaky good early steph curry game he had 24 and 15 assists uh you remember anything like specifically about that night, like how it was? Were you feeling? Uh, good? I just remember I felt good. I guess uh, the ball was definitely uh, going in the room that night. I think I made my first uh, ten shots, maybe or something like that, and uh, just kept it rolling uh, throughout the whole night. Uh, I know by like halftime, I think I had like twenty-five or something like that, and they're they're just saying go get fifty. I was like, no, nah, I don't really want to get fifty. I just want to win. <laughs> And I end up having 40, so. <laughs> Dude, amazing. That's that's awesome, man. Um, 40 has to feel good in the NBA. That was your first year, too, or second year? That was my third year. Oh, third year, okay. Third year, I think, yeah. So, yeah. yeah it, it definitely felt good. Yeah. Um, so, you're wearing your Tennessee shirt. For those of you who are listening, you can't see this. He's wearing a Tennessee volunteer shirt. That's where he went to college. Um, what factors, like, maybe can you walk us through, like, what factors played a part in your decision to play basketball at Tennessee and where else were you looking? Uh, well, my dream school was to go to UCLA cause I'm from the West coast. Uh, uh, and I actually had a visit there. Uh, the coach, uh, was going to sign me. I was going to sign there, but the coach got fired. So that was derailed my whole plans. I didn't know with the, the new coach was coming in. So I just said, uh, why can I go somewhere else that where I can play right away, have an effect on the program, uh, try to get better and better each year and see what happens. And uh, Tennessee is right where my family's from. My family's from Nashville. So uh, if I ever need anything, uh, I had cousins, grandmas, aunts and uncles who were close who could uh, help me out or get a home-cooked meal or come see me if I need to. If I wanted to get away, just go see them uh, if I got homesick. So that was the whole uh, synopsis of why I went to Tennessee. Yeah, and you shuttled in that whole, like, 
or you were there for the beginning of the Bruce Pearl era too. So what was that like? Could you tell that you were kind of uh, like becoming a powerhouse in a way? Actually, I was gonna I was gonna declare my junior year and leave because our coach got fired. So I wasn't really super high on Bruce uh, coming in. Uh, I didn't want a new coach. I wanted to to stick with my old coach, and we lost. We lost. So, but uh, I definitely uh, it took me a while to get used to Bruce and to adapt his uh, his philosophy, which is, is a great philosophy, and I I still love it to this day because uh, that's the way I want to play fast and up and down the court. And uh, I know he told the newspaper or the news news one time when CJ commits to our team, we'll be a successful team. And that's when I started committing. We started winning and playing well. And I just uh, tried to lead by example and everyone else just uh, took the same mentality. Awesome. Um, so you were there four years and then um, went undrafted. Um, and then there was kind of there was a year in between when you got to the NBA. Um, can you kind of talk about that process getting from college um, and then into the NBA as an undrafted player? Uh, it was definitely difficult. I know uh, from college going overseas uh, was like a, was like night and day. Uh, I know even my first day on campus, I didn't know what I was getting myself into. Uh, and then going overseas by myself was like uh, I'm going all the way to Italy. I didn't know any language. Uh, I didn't know where to buy groceries. I didn't know anything. So it was a big, big uh, culture shock. And um, uh, just to, trying to get to the NBA was definitely a challenge. I wanted to quit basketball when I was overseas, so um, definitely just got to believe, keep believing in yourself and uh, always uh, believe in that dream. And my dream was to play in the NBA, and I didn't want to fall short of that. And uh, quitting would have made me look like a loser, I feel like. <laughs> so I just tried <laughs> to stick with it. And if I didn't make it, I didn't make it. So uh, just let the chips fall where they may. And fortunate enough, I still was able to get to the NBA and have a, a good, good career. Yeah, totally. Was it tough, like, going to talk to these teams and these coaches? And I'm sure some of them were high on you coming into the draft, too. And then to see your name slip out of the draft, like, what was going through your mind for that whole process? Uh, it was actually a crazy story is uh, I was supposed to get drafted. The Detroit Pistons uh, told my agent they would draft me with the last yeah. pick. Uh, obviously, it never happened. <laughs> yeah. But uh, it was definitely a, a heartbreaker. Uh, I remember watching the draft at home and uh, being excited just to get my name called, and it didn't happen. And, uh, but uh, it was definitely uh, a gift and a curse uh, because it made me work a lot harder. It made me uh, work twice as hard to prove people wrong that I am better than what people expected me to be. And uh, just the things they told me I was I was lacking, I just wanted to make all those things better. Do you remember who was drafted 60th? Uh, I think it was – I don't know if it was – I don't think it was Will Bottom. It might have been. Or it okay. might have been Will Blaylocker or Something with, something with a W, that's all I know. Okay. Yeah, we'll look <laughs> that up. I go later. back and look that up. <laughs> that's wild, man. That's so wild. Yeah. When you finally made it to the NBA, I know you had that gap year, and or was it maybe two seasons, where you were in the D League for a little bit um, and just kind of had a grind to make the team. You finally got picked up by the Warriors, and then what was like the moment where you knew that you belonged in the NBA? Uh, I think it was that 40-point game, honestly. Uh, okay. I had that season or maybe the year before, I think. When I was with the Warriors, I had a that forty point game. Then I had like a thirty eight and like eight or ten or something like that against D, uh, Darren Williams and the playoff team Utah Jazz. Uh, oh, had like a twenty and ten game against uh, Steve Nash, and I felt like just having games against those type of players, those are All Star Hall of Fame type players. Um, they got to know that C, whenever CJ steps on the floor, he's gonna play his heart out, no matter if I have All Star accolades or whatnot. Just you got to be ready to play against me. You're not just gonna have a walk in the park. Who was the toughest point guard to play against? Uh, I feel like it was Tony Parker because uh, their system, uh, 
and he was just so dangerous in that system. He was fast. Um, he couldn't. He wasn't really shooting threes, but anytime he went under his pick and roll, he would get to that mid range jumper, and it would be pretty much cash all day. And he had a great team around him. So, did you? Uh, I know some guys who get to the NBA. They have this moment. Was there anybody who just like cooked you on the court in one of your first games where you're like, oh my god, like I'm really in the NBA now? Uh, I mean, my first couple of years, I didn't really play a lot. So like Don Nelson would just throw me in there just to see. He, would, he told me like when I when I signed there, he's like, I'm just gonna throw you in there and see what you got. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, he threw me in there one time. I think I started against uh, Allen Iverson. This wasn't like the Philadelphia Allen Iverson. It was like the Detroit Piston Allen Iverson, which was still pretty pretty lethal, but he wasn't as fast and as dangerous. But um, I, I tried to just hold my own, and uh, I think he gave me like maybe like a quick ten or fifteen in like two quarters, and I was like, ah, this subbed me out. <laughs> Oh uh, Follow up question: What's your favorite Don Nelson moment? Legendary coach Don Nelson. Uh, my favorite Nelly moment. Um, just uh, I know he just always bring his dog to practice. <clears throat> I never seen like a coach do that before, and uh, he he would just let the dog run around. Like the dog didn't have no leash, no nothing. He was just running around practice. Coach Nelly would just walk in and, and just run around everywhere, and I he never even tried to catch the dog or nothing. It was just it was just crazy for me to see that from a head coach. Yeah, I, I never. I came from a lot of strict coaches, and they were, like practice time was very strict. But Coach Nelly was very laid back, and uh, that's why it was very fun to play for him. The dog cool. ever have any accidents on the court? Not that I've seen. I heard he had a, a couple of accidents before, but I guess he was getting trained by the time I got there. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it was probably cool too. Uh, you signed your ten day contract with the Warriors, and then Don Nelson pushed for you to get your second ten day contract. Is what we were reading about. Yeah. And it just seemed like he really believed in you. And I'm sure that was, like, so encouraging for an undrafted guard who had played in the D-League to come in and see that a legendary coach wanted him on the team that bad. Yeah, definitely, for sure. He had a lot of confidence in me. Like I said before, he threw me into the fire and uh, just told me. And, and I played pretty well uh, the first couple of games. And then that's what earned me my second contract and the third one also. But uh, he definitely had a lot of confidence in me. Um, I think he was definitely trying to get Baron uh, lesser minutes and try to go for a playoff push. So we tried to just uh, do anything we could to keep him healthy and because uh, he was our star player. So, and uh, I'm just definitely grateful for that opportunity. Um, so you obviously played with a lot of great players in your career. Um, there was Curry early on in Golden State. Uh, you played on those really good Bulls teams that um, Rose unfortunately got hurt on when he was an MVP. Um, yeah. But getting into the Pacers seasons now, um, David West, a fan favorite. I know he's a locker room favorite. Yep. Um, if you had to pick one of your former teammates to go against David West in sort of like a back alley brawl, <laughs> who would you pick and how do you think it would go down? Uh, one of my former teammates. Uh, well, I play with Reggie Evans. He's, I'm sure, any, any alley, Reggie would hold his own. Uh, <laughs> um I would say maybe Joe Kim Noah. Uh, um, who else? Maybe Kurt Thomas. Uh, but yeah, any one of those three guys, I'm sure, would hold their own against D West in a in a little alley fight. I know you played with um, D Well too in Brooklyn for that season. Is he actually like? I've heard things like he's a big UFC fighter. Is he actually like cut out for all that stuff and? Yeah, I heard he's a UFC. Uh, he, I think he owns like a team or a couple of fighters or something like that. Um, when I was there, I don't know. If, I don't know if I really talked to him about UFC or anything like that. But I seen uh, posts on Instagram. Uh, 
just him having some fighters and stuff like that and going to UFC fights. So I'm sure he might be big into it. Dang. Uh, how would you hold in a fight with David West in a back alley brawl? Uh, I think I'll hold my own. I, I got to catch him sleeping, though. <laughs> <laughs> Head up might be, a, might be a little tough. I might bow out a couple minutes. <laughs> <laughs> um, we can go back to the Bulls real quick. What, like, that was – you made the Eastern Conference Finals with that Bulls team. Yeah. One of the seasons you were there. What was that whole process like? What was different from that locker room than any other locker room you had been in up until that point, too? And, like, did you guys have the uh, vision of, like, you guys were going to win the championship that year? Uh, honestly, we didn't have that vision, I don't feel like, until later in the season. Because uh, I think going into the season, everyone didn't even think we'd be any good. It probably made us, like, a 10 or 11 seed, which uh, is not even in the playoffs. And uh, especially with a new coach, a new team, uh, a, a budding superstar, um, no one really knew that how good we could be. And throughout the season, we kept getting better and better. And uh, at the end of the day, there was no egos on that team. We knew who our superstar was and D-Rose, and everyone else just played their part and uh, played their role. And we had a great coach, too. Tibbs uh, held everyone accountable from the star player to the last person on the bench. So I think that's what really uh, made it different. And all the guys hung out together. We all went to eat together after games on the road trips. We hung out. So it was definitely a, a friendly team. Was that your first experience of a team like that? Uh, no, it was, no, uh, not really, no. Uh, yeah. Warriors was kind of like that. We just weren't winning, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> but it was definitely a family environment. But uh, the Bulls was just – it was fun in all aspects, uh, on the court, off the court. Uh, the city was just a great city to be in, and uh, the fans were the great team. So you guys in that Chicago team – I know you guys lost to the Heat um, that first year, and then the next year was D-Rose got hurt. Um, and then you got to play that LeBron Heat team again um, in your first year with the Pacers in the conference finals. Yeah. Um, looking back on that Pacers series, um, if you guys you guys lost 4-2, um, and it was a real good series, if you, get, if you guys could go back in time, what do you think you'd do differently, if anything, um, to try and beat that team? I think I just don't think we scored enough points. Our defense, I think, was solid enough. Uh, we just didn't have enough uh, offensive power. Um, and at that time, I don't think, uh, you know, running gun kind of system was really uh, big in the NBA. So, like, if we had a little more pace to our game, we could have maybe uh, tired them down a little bit maybe and maybe scored a couple more points in transition, uh, got to the foul line a little more. Uh, all those little things helped, especially in playoff basketball. So I just think uh, scoring more points would have been uh, the bigger thing. Yep. What, how do you think you guys would have scored more points? Would you have changed the rotation at all? Uh, no, I think the rotation was fine. I think uh, maybe playing the bench a little more. I know when uh, playoff comes, coaches time uh, tend to cut the rotation short a little bit and not play their uh, bench as much as they did in the uh, regular season, which I don't, which I think is you know kind of stupid a little bit because uh, that makes your bench uh, think that you don't have faith in them or whatever, but. Uh, just playing the bench a little more and uh, giving the stars a little rest, but or mixing up a little bit, mixing some stars and, and bench players together. The starting lineup, especially, didn't have like a ton of high octane scores. Turned out Paul George became that. Right. Yeah. But at the time, like you don't expect Roy Hibbert to put a move on someone and score on him, or I mean, even David West, like they can hit those mid range jumpers, but I mean, what's that gonna do? Yeah, our whole offense is kind of predicated off. Uh, Kind of like pick and rolls and throwing it back to D West or Roy for those pick and pop jumpers, um, which sometimes uh, it works for you and sometimes it doesn't. So we got to kind of mix it up. Someone like you who's 
made a name for themselves as uh, a spark plug off the bench. I'm sure that was tough, like, seeing some of the uh, other guards playing and just not getting a lot of offense going, too, in those series. Oh, yeah, for sure. It's definitely tough, but, you know, it's a, it's a team game, and you got to roll with the punches. And uh, uh, I just think uh, LeBron is cheating me out, out of a couple of championships. I feel like I feel like we should have won with the Bulls and with the Pacers also. We could have beat the – I don't know who they played in the championship, maybe the Spurs, but I feel like we would have gave them a, definitely a run for the money if not winning. Yeah, I think it was Spurs that year. Yeah, yeah. I think with the Bulls, it was the Mavericks, and we definitely would have beat the Mavericks. Oh, for sure. <laughs> for sure. So that next season, or that was the summer when Paul George broke his leg, yeah. uh, did anything like kind of change in the locker room after that happened, and how fast did it take you guys to kind of adapt to him not being there? Uh, it was just weird because uh, I was here when he uh, – I went to actually see him in the hospital when he – uh, broke his leg in the in Vegas, so it was definitely weird to see that uh, that picture in my mind all the time. Uh, and then um, just being in the locker room with him, obviously him being in the locker room was a different aspect than him being on the court. Uh, we knew he wasn't going to be playing, so we had to adjust for that. And I don't think it really took a while for us to to get there, especially having an all star player like himself. Not being able to be there and help you on the court is a uh, definitely big loss. Yeah, totally. And you guys had just missed the playoffs your second season in Indy, too. I think yeah. Paul George played six or seven games that year. You guys almost made – I think the Nets just beat you out. Um, and it the crazy thing is it was a lot of the same team, just minus Paul George. And I think you had five or six or even seven guys in double-digit scoring. I think you had ten points a game that year. Um, and it's tough to see a team – who clearly is good enough and has an all-star in Roy Hibbert and a, and a former all-star in David West, um, and then just a bunch of players who are playing their roles, not make the playoffs like that. So, um, obviously, I'm sure it was tough for you guys, and I think uh, it is clear that that's the case. And do you think that team could have, like, made it farther if that whole Paul George injury didn't transpire the way that it did? Uh, yeah, I think so. I think even with him being injured, we still should have made the playoffs. We were just um, – we had a lot of injuries. I know I was injured a lot that year. And G. Hill was injured. D. West was injured a lot. And um, a lot of games that we should have won, we didn't win. Like, we, I know we lost to the 76ers a couple times. And I'm not going to get them, but at that time, they weren't the team that they are now. Um, and we just dropped a lot of games that we should have won, which is uh, – to look back on it was uh, just a waste of time and just being ungrateful, I feel like. <clears throat> So would you say that your time in Indy was successful or were you glad to move on? Uh, I think it was successful. Um, I wasn't glad to move on. I actually wanted to stay. Um, but, you know, it's a, it's a business, so we had to move on and make the best decisions for uh, each person, each franchise. So I definitely wanted to stay. I liked Indy. I didn't want to go anywhere. You played with Chris Copeland on those teams, yeah. and we had him on here a couple of weeks ago and talked to him for a while. Um, so I'm looking for an unbiased review from you here. Who had the better hair between him and Luis Scola? Oh, Scola for sure. <laughs> Easy question. <laughs> I think Scola actually washed his hair. I don't know if Cole washed it. I don't know if he can wash dreads. <laughs> so I don't know. I have to go with Scola on now. I actually seen Scola washing his hair. So. <laughs> nice. Amazing. Exactly the answer we were looking for. <laughs> I don't know how like much you know about the Pacers' history and former players that have played there and whatnot, 
but we love to ask this to guys that we have on our podcast. But do you think you can name your all-time Pacers starting five? All-time Pacers starting five. Uh, for sure, the center spot, I got to go with uh, J.O. Jermaine O'Neal. Uh, three spot, I will go with uh, Mara Test. Two spots, pretty hard. I don't know, PG or Reggie Miller. Uh, I would say PG, I guess. He can handle the ball a little bit better, play defense. Uh, I've never seen Reggie Miller play defense. So. <laughs> uh, point guard, uh, Mark Jackson or Jamal Tinsley. All right. Um, three or uh, four spot, I would say uh, I don't really know a lot of fours to play for the Pacers. You uh, could play small and move on our test to the four and pick another guard, I think. Okay, that's good. That's true. Here we go run our test at the four. And uh Steven Jackson at the three, PG at the two. Nice. Uh Jamal Tinsley at the one and Jermaine O'Neal at the five. I'll have Al Harrington coming off the bench at the six man. Awesome. And then are you are you the coach in this situation too? <laughs> no, I'm not the coach. I'll let Larry coach. <laughs> yeah, any uh any Larry Bird stories from your time there? I know he's a pretty reserved guy. Uh, at that time, yeah, he used to come to practice and just sit there. But uh, but when I first got there the first season, he was uh, shooting a little bit more. Like, he would tell people, uh, you couldn't guard me back in your day. Uh, but I think after that, he saw, he had, like, back surgery or something like that. So he would just sit down and just talk trash the whole time. <laughs> so it was definitely fun just to hear someone like that talk trash to you and just know yeah, that you're around greatness and stuff like that. So it was definitely cool. Yeah. Has to be pretty intimidating. Oh, yeah, very, yeah. After a while, once you get to know him, it's like, you know, he's just another person. But it's just fun when he talks trash to you. <laughs> After you left the NBA, um, you went into the Big Three for a little while. Um, kind of talk about that experience, um, and especially playing for Charles Oakley, who I know is kind of an NBA fan favorite. Yeah, uh, it was definitely fun. I only played there one one season last, last uh, summer, but uh, – it was definitely fun. It's like uh, it's like prison ball. What I tell people because they don't really call fouls at all. They don't. Uh, they just let you play, which is fun, and that's what the fans want to see. And um, it was definitely fun to get back out there, play with the guys again, be in the locker room kind of setting. And uh, playing for Charles Oakley was pretty cool. I didn't get to spend as much time because it's not like a you know a whole NBA season or whatever. Uh, we're only there for one or two days, and most of the time we spend with the, with him is like on a bus and stuff like that. So. Uh, it's definitely cool just to be around him, hear him tell some Jordan stories, and uh, just uh, really get his perspective of the game. If you could only use your former teammates, can you create a dream big three team? A dream big three team? Uh, yeah. Okay. Um, you can, you're can. you on this team as well. Oh, I won't be on this team. I'll be the coach. <laughs> okay, you can be the coach. <laughs> I'll be the general manager or something. <laughs> sounds good. Sounds good. Uh, I mean, I got to put Steph on there because he's just changed the game. Uh I don't know. I'll probably go small. I'll probably go like uh, Steph. I will go D Rose, and I will go Baron Davis. Ooh, Baron Davis, yeah. Yeah, that that would be pretty tough to guard. And I don't know if we guard any. If they had any big man, but you know we'll figure it out. <laughs> yeah, who's your backup? My backups will be uh, D Will. Um, uh, I'll put Al Harrington on that team and. Put Paul George on that team too. Right on. All guards. Thank you. Um, so getting into your kind of post-career stuff here, um, you've obviously been very active. 
Um, one of the projects that you've had is you've written or written a couple children's books. Um, and I was interested to know, like, what is kind of your creative process like? Um, and even how did that idea come to be that, oh, I want to write these books now? Uh, it was just the idea I had, honestly, just while I was sitting on the couch uh, when I was done playing. Um, I knew by playing the NBA, it's an inspiration for kids and it's like a big dream and they look up to anyone in the NBA, but I wanted to also inspire kids um, without playing basketball. And I said, what other way to do that than through a book and, and at the same time, kids want to read and need to, lead, need to read to, to learn things and why not put my stories in those books? And uh, that's how the book process really came about. Um, where, where can people find those books and what's like the price of those as well? Uh, you can find them on Amazon under the first title is CJ's Big Dream. And the second book is called CJ's Big Project, or you can go to my personal website and buy, buy them also, uh, cjpens.com, cjpens.com. And the book's around, uh, I think, $11 on Amazon. And through my site, I think they're 20 because I uh, did it independently, published independently. So got to earn some, some of my money back. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll link that. Uh, we'll give All people right. an opportunity to look for that too um that's that's so cool man it's it's uh not every day you uh get a book like that uh from a former nba player so yeah it was definitely fun going out through the process it was like a six or seven month process and uh when i first got the book it was definitely uh uh like having a birth of your kid or whatever just something put all this work into and see the, the final results so it was definitely fun to see when you lived in indy we're going back to indy a little bit what were some of your favorite restaurants to go to and some of your favorite places to hang out in your free time uh bakersfield was one of my favorite i love bakersfield uh the tacos the margaritas uh just being there like in the, i wasn't there in, the, in any of summer uh, in the summertime a lot but when i would go back just to check on my place uh i would always stop there and just being out there with the weather and stuff it was definitely good um where else did i go um benihana's a lot um yep uh anywhere downtown because i live right downtown like two minutes from the gym so uh, I used to bike to practice all the time, so bike to practice and bike back home. So it was definitely uh, fun just to, to go around and move around the city. <clears throat> yeah, for sure. And let's say, like, you just had a tough game and you just needed some fast food. Did you ever, like, just go to some local, like, greasy joint? And what was that place if you did? Uh, I never ate fast food. I stopped eating fast food, like, around 2010. I don't know. <laughs> 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 the only fast food I honestly ate was maybe, like, a Wendy's, like, on the way to the plane or something like that. But... That was only if like I needed something really fast, and I love I love Chipotle. I don't know if that's fast food, but uh, I guess it kind of counts as fast food. Yeah, a little healthier, I guess. <laughs> oh man, so good! That's my favorite restaurant. It can be fattening. <laughs> <laughs> You're a Chipotle over Qdoba, Jack? Oh yeah, dude. Every it's day. not even close. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, man. Dude. I think it's pretty close. Nah, I'm easy to please, though. There's a good donut place that uh, I know G Hill used to bring their donuts on the plane all the time. They were like, uh, I don't know, the, what's the place called in the Indy? It's like a donut spot. But G Hill used to bring the donuts on the plane all the time. I saw something one time that like Joel Embiid would eat like two Chick-fil-A sandwiches and like two milkshakes, like some ridiculous order, like every time he get on the plane. Did yeah. anybody in the Pacers have like insane amounts of food like that uh, before uh, I know sometimes, like after practice, we would everyone would stop by their little favorite place or whatever was close to them. Um, I don't remember anyone bringing like a whole bunch of whole bunch of stuff. I know I don't know who I sat back next to on the plane, but 
whoever I sat next to used to bring hella food on the plane. <laughs> so it was, uh, I, it used to smell good actually, but uh, I know it was fast food. I just don't remember what it was. So right now that everyone's quarantined and just looking for stuff to do, what's been your like quarantine show that you've been watching or streaming or a movie or a book you've been reading? What And like, what would you recommend? Um, on Netflix, I've been watching like a show called Money Heist. Uh, okay. I watch Ozark. Uh, Narcos is, is really good. I love like crime mob stories. Uh, um, I've been trying to learn some Spanish on Rosetta Stone. That's what I've been doing in my spare time, I guess. Uh, no, I know a little bit, but I'm trying to get fluent in it, but I don't know if that's going to happen. <laughs> but uh, other than that, yeah, that's pretty much all I do in my quarantine time. Do homework with my kids, clean up all day after them, the messes they make, and uh, just do it again the next day. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah, you're a parent, so you probably don't have a ton of time either. No, not a lot. I try to find it, but I can't even find it. <laughs> have you seen Tiger King yet? Yeah, it's funny crazy. I, when, I, when it first came out, I tried to watch it. I couldn't get into it, but now I just tried it like a, uh, a week ago, and I'm done with all the all the episodes or whatever. I'm not going to say I loved it, uh, but I, it's definitely a funny, crazy story with all the the killing, Carol supposedly killing her husband, uh, <laughs> Joe having two gay husbands. Uh, it's just a little too much for me. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So I was, we live real close to that Tim Stark dude who's in the show, and I was just walking into my house and I swore I saw him. So I did that thing where like, you aren't sure if it's the guy and you don't know them either. So I was like, Tim. Right. Like that. He didn't. He didn't look. But I, I I'm like 95 percent sure. I just saw Tim. Was he in like a safari get up? He was. He was. He had a big truck with a trailer behind it, and he was picking up like furniture from this place that's going out of business. Oh, he's probably getting some couches for his animals. Right. Yeah. Or <laughs> <gonna> chew up. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, what's next for you in your basketball career? Are you interested in coaching or uh, maybe making a comeback? Like what's what's next for CJ Watson? Uh, basketball career, I'm basically pretty much retired. Um, just living life. Uh, um, just working on my next books for the for my series. Uh, <clears throat> I have two more coming out, so uh, maybe one in September, then maybe another one, maybe like in November, December. But um, then other than that, just being a dad, being a father. Uh, and that's pretty much about it. Yeah. Are your kids hoopers? Uh, my daughter plays, but she doesn't really like it, but she's really good at volleyball. So maybe my next daughter, uh, will play basketball and we'll see how that goes. <laughs> I saw, uh, a lot of this work that you're doing, uh, where you're putting healthy vending machines in schools. Mm -hmm. I was wondering if you're trying to come for Michelle Obama's title as sort of like the healthy foods are <laughs> for children. Uh, no, not really. It's just, a it's just a side business. Me and my wife have, uh, we always uh, have been trying to eat healthy and, and, and uh, have that conscious mind of eating healthy. So we uh, decided just to get some healthy vending machines and put healthy things in it instead of the, the things that are fattening or things that might be killing us that we might not know of, like the Cheetos and Doritos and stuff like that. So we just try to give people healthier choices, and uh, it's been working out pretty well. We have about five minutes left, so we'll just like kind of grind through a couple more questions if we think All of right. them. Um, right now, if you were to get back in the NBA – what would be the perfect fit for you? What team, what situation, what role? Probably coming off the bench. Uh, that's what I've been doing my whole career. Uh, and done it pretty well, and I kind of think I mastered it down. Uh, <laughs> um, it's definitely a veteran team. Um, somewhere we're not practicing every day. 
uh, and uh, just someone who wants to who wants to win. Someone the up and down team, and uh, uh, yeah, that's pretty much about it. So, who's that sound like, Austin? What team? I mean, looking at your numbers here, CJ shot forty percent three times from three in his career, and he got really close two other seasons. I mean, you could definitely be the backup point guard in Houston, I think, or somewhere. I know the Lakers need talked all year about we need a guard, we need a guard. I know they were looking at Collison for a while. I mean, oh yeah, you you got the numbers to back it up here, so. Hey man, tell Jeannie Bust to call me. I'll be ready. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll hit her up. We'll let her know. All right. <laughs> When you were uh, like in college or even younger than that, who were the players that you tried to model your game after, and uh, just people you really looked up to? In college, it was Mo Williams. Uh, I think his game was uh, very similar to mine. <clears throat> and I, I know one time when uh, after we played Portland, one time he was just uh, giving me props and telling me how how much he liked my game, and uh, that really meant a lot to me. Uh, coming from him, especially from a player I looked up to, and all the success he's had in the NBA and uh, all the time I, I look at YouTube videos. I watch players, Jason Kidd, uh, um, Gary Payton, John Stockton. Just model my game after the different kind of point guards. Uh, Jason Terry was a big one because he was kind of like a point guard, shooting guard, and uh, I kind of played a little bit of both positions. So I just try to model my game after all those guys. Thank you. I've been watching some of these old games now that we don't have sports, obviously, and. I've watched a handful of Sonics games, and Gary Payton just used to get up and down so fast. I mean, it was crazy. He was, I mean, almost a little bit like D. Rose before D. Rose in a way. Right, yeah. He used to talk trash, too. That's that's the best yeah. thing about it. <laughs> you trash talk at all? No, 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 not at all. I mean, in high school, maybe, but in college a little bit, but not really in NBA. Just trying to let my game play for itself, and uh, it would do the trash talking for me, so. Yeah. Definitely heard my my uh, share of trash talk though. <laughs> Who was the best trash talker you know? Um, Stephen Jackson was one of them. Uh, whether he was <laughs> playing a good game or a bad game, he was talking trash, <laughs> which is funny to me because you're talking, you're having a bad game, you can't really talk. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome, man. You gotta yeah. commit to the bit. You gotta right. Yeah, he did. He definitely committed to it. He was he was ready for anything. <laughs> We got about two and a half minutes left. So, CJ, is there anything else you've been working on or uh, just want to plug before we wrap this thing up and call it a day? Um, just the books again. Uh, you can purchase those books on Amazon or cjpins.com. I also have my own foundation. Uh, we're also doing a big event uh, next Saturday to help <clears throat> people who have lost their jobs or don't have any food since this uh, coronavirus has happened. Uh, Foundation is called Quiet Storm Foundation. Uh, the website is quietstormfoundation.org. And uh, that's pretty much about it. Thanks for having me again, and uh, definitely fun. Yeah, dude, we really appreciate it. This was a blast. Um, we've learned a lot. CJ, we'll tag everyone, or we'll uh, tag your books, the websites, uh, quietstormfoundation.org, right? Yeah, up, yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll tag that. We'll link it. Everyone um, can go to that and visit and check out what you're working on. So um, keep doing your thing, man, and uh, keep having some sort of fun in quarantine. All right. Yeah. yeah, you guys, you too. All right, man. Peace out. All right.
Hey everyone, thanks for listening to this episode of The All Pacers Pod. If you don't already follow us on Instagram at all.pacers, go do that. I'd say personally, it's my favorite Pacers community there is out there, and I hope that doesn't sound too biased. And also, subscribe to us on wherever you listen to your podcasts. You don't want to miss out on some of the content we have coming up. We got a ton of great stuff planned, and I'm sure you guys are going to enjoy. But I'm going to wrap this up. I'm sure you guys got stuff to do. For me, Jack, for Austin... Peace out. It's all about team basketball. It's all about playing the game the right way. The name on the front of the jersey is more important than that name on the back of the jersey. You play for the Indiana Pacers. That's who you represent.